Uh-oh. And whenever you're ready. Yeah. You All right. Get my little timer started, and then I'll give you guys a little countdown. All right. We'll go in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Atlanta Sports Party, your home for the best Atlanta sports talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere but right here at Locked On. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste, and alongside me are Jarvis Davis, Maria Martin, and Reggie Chapman. This Atlanta Sports Party is brought to you by... I'll stop right there. Okay. (laughs) I'm so used to something being brought to you by, but I'm like, no, this is just part of the Locked On Sports Network. Okay. The anticipation was killing me. I was like, who is it? Who is it brought to you by? No one. This is absolutely nobody. I love this. Okay, guys. I'm sorry. Let's go again. You're good. In five, four, three, two. Welcome to the Atlanta Sports Party, your home for the best Atlanta sports talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere else but right here on Locked On. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste, and alongside me are Jarvis Davis, Maria Martin, and Reggie Chapman. Now, the Atlanta Sports Party is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Coming up later, we'll dig deep dive into the Des Ritter dilemma, and we'll go rapid fire on why the Falcons going across the pond is still not enough for the NFL. But right now, it's time to get the party started with our top three. So guys, you know the dogs are on a bye this week. It's two weeks for them to get ready for a big showdown with Florida and for them to start the back half of the season and, of course, deal with some of those injuries that have been plaguing them the last couple of weeks. But that said... Just looking at the first half of their season, how it has played out, do you guys feel like the Bulldogs are equipped with enough to win the SEC championship, get into the CFP, and maybe get that third chip in a row? Jarvis, what do you think? Um, for me, I, I think it's going to be the tale of two offenses, right? Because there's what the offense looks like with Brock Bowers, and then it's going to be without Brock Bowers for the ne- at least the next what, a month or so. Yeah. So I think that I'm very interested to see how Mike Bobo handles this. And I think that it's going to be pretty much the same, same old song as far as them passing the ball a bit more because, hey, that's where they have an advantage. They have some guys on the outside, and Rod Rod Thomas and Dominic Lovett, they can get down the field. Lack McConkie is starting to come around. And then we got Rosemary Jack Saints. So all of those factors, I really feel like we're going to get a good view of what this offense is going to look like in the second half of the season. With that being said, I feel like, yes, at least the SEC championship is, is this team ceiling right now. How about you, Maria? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that they can win the SEC championship, especially because this is more or less a down year for the SEC, which is something I never really thought that we would say. Uh, The NIL has kind of made an even playing field across college football a little bit. So the SEC is leveling out with the rest of the conferences. Um, But, you know, I know that it's scary having Brock Bowers out for an undetermined amount of time. He's the best player in college football in the entire country, in my opinion. So, yeah, when you don't have him in your offense, that's terrifying. But people forget very quickly that the dogs are loaded. Jarvis just mentioned a ton of the guys that they have that Carson Beck has to throw to. And Carson Beck is proving that he's evolving each week. And that's important. And that's what you want to see from your quarterback in terms of somebody that can win not only the SEC championship, but potentially more than that. Um, So I haven't seen any true concerning things that without Brock Bowers, they're just going to take a complete downturn once they start with Florida here in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, I think that they can absolutely win the SEC championship, but Past that, there's so many undefeated teams in college football. There is 
such a wide open net, I think, at the top of college football. So I think it's going to get interesting past the conference championships, but for sure the SEC championship past that, we'll see. Yeah. How about you, Reggie? What are your thoughts on just how far this Bulldogs team is going to go on what you're looking for them to do in the second half? Well, it's interesting because I feel like all season long, I think that Georgia has kind of been resting on the laurels. The fact that they've been the number one team in the country for so long and they just haven't lost for so long. So people just kept them at number one. These other teams are starting to creep up because they're blowing teams out. Teams like Michigan have been handling their schedule, but handling it decisively right now over the last couple of weeks, I've started to really feel like Georgia actually deserves that number one seed. that Kentucky game. Uh, showed a lot to me. It was the first time I ever felt like Carson Beck was the guy where I was like, all right, he can actually run the offense now. He looks comfortable enough to get it done. Um, and I think their defense kind of kind of har- carry them as well. So the good part is about Georgia, they've been injured all season long. So having people step up in these positions um, is not anything new to them. Obviously, Brock Bowers is uh, the biggest loss they've had this year. But at the end of the day, their schedule kind of leads them to be able to at least get the SEC championship game. And depending on who they play and I mean, it'll likely be a team that they can probably beat with a lot of issues. Um, they'll be able to be in the CFP. And by that point, you hope that Brock Bowers is back and be able to play really well. Yeah. And I think the, in addition to that, we're kind of focused a lot on Brock Bowers and kind of him being not a part of this team for the back half of the season. But there are players who are coming back. So Kirby Smart talked about that a couple of days ago. He gave an update on Xavier Truce and saying, hey, we may not know anything by the end of this week, but next week. We'll have a better anticipation of if he starts, but it's leaning like he's coming back. Amarius Mims is coming along as well. So I think maybe by virtue of the fact that you've got these two weeks for some of those guys who've been coming back on their way on the mend, that may actually put Georgia in a good place, especially on the back half of the season when you do have to play a number of top 25 teams and also Georgia Tech isn't the easiest out as it maybe used to be because Brent Key does have those guys. I know they've had a hiccup here or there, but he does have those guys at least in a position where they can try to compete for Georgia. But I think it may be one of those where it's addition by subtraction where, yeah, you're going to subtract Brock Bowers out of the equation, but you're adding in some key O-linemen who, number one, will provide even better protection for Carson Beck, but number two may also start to, I'll say, dare I say it, have the run actually start to set up the pass a little bit a bit again, because I think we can all admit seems like the pass has been setting up the run for Georgia the first half of the season. Now, speaking of the back half of Georgia season, the front half of the Hawks regular season is about to begin for their 2023-24 campaign. They're going to kick that off in Charlotte Wednesday. Of course, they're coming back home for the season opener on Friday against their heated rivals, the infamous New York Knicks. But this is an interesting offseason. Not a lot of big moves, but there were some subtle moves, including even a re- an extension of a DeJounte Murray. So, Maria, I ask you, with where this team is now, Quinn Snyder having had his 22 regular season game sample size and where we are through this offseason so far, what's kind of your ceiling for this team this upcoming season? I don't think it's as high as maybe some people, but I do think that they need to get past this first round of the playoffs, right? We were all around for the 2021 Eastern Conference Finals run, and it kind of, you know, I wasn't around for the Falcons run when they went to the Super Bowl, but from the stories that I've heard from people, it got to the point in the season where they were just mowing through everybody, and it was such a surprise. Same thing happened with the Hawks. When they got to the Eastern Conference Finals in 21, all of us agree they shouldn't have necessarily gotten there, but they did, and they surprised a lot of people. So as I've said before on the show, the expectation was set really high for the Hawks in 21. So when you get bounced in a play-in round the next two years, obviously that's not good enough, and it's not good enough for what the Hawks have had, and especially now that you have 
one full season with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young, I expect them to at least be competitive in the playoffs this year. So perhaps maybe a second round situation for the Hawks. But past that, they're just not ready. They didn't make a lot of moves in the offseason to really make me believe that this team is going to make some large leap this year. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that they should be taking a step forward. And especially, you said it, Quinn Snyder. Now he's going to get one full season. All the guys that we've spoken to really believe in his coaching and yes. that he can take them to the next level. And to me, that's one more round in the playoffs. Yeah. And when I hear Trey Young talking about defense and defending on the perimeter, it does at least make my heart smile just a little bit. <laughs> and it makes me a little bit hopeful about what they can do. But Reggie, I mean, Maria's right. We don't want to overextend our expectations for this team because let's face it, Dame Lillard is going to be a serious, serious threat now that he's a part of the Milwaukee Bucks. And then Boston, the Boston Celtics. Hey, they made their chess move. They ain't playing checkers up top. They're playing chess because they said, you know what? You got Dame, we got Drew. What you going to do now? So you still kind of have those powers at the top of the Eastern Conference. And then you've got kind of that middling group. And then you've got kind of that bottom group that's like, for the love of God, we don't want the playing anymore. Where do the Hawks kind of fall in, in that space? I think the Hawks will hop into a top six seed this upcoming season just for multiple reasons. I mean, I don't think that the Nets are going to be able to keep the pace they've had over last year. I mean, for most of the year, you had Kevin Durant on that roster, then he leaves, right? The Knicks, I've never really believed in. The Cavs are still going to be good. The 76ers are kind of chaos right now. So I think the Hawks can be able to pull into a top six seed. And there's really two reasons that make me believe that. Number one, um, we mentioned defense. And both these points have to do with Trey Young, right? When I went to see... The Hawks play over at um, the Gateway Center Arena, um, play that preseason game against the Pelicans. One thing that really stood out to me is how ferocious this team is on defense. And the thing that really stood out to me is I saw Trey Young take a charge. That's something I thought I'd never see in my life. It's a preseason game. He's taking charges, <laughs> which is incredible. And then offensively, I've seen you, – you watch a couple of the clips of Trey actually running off the ball. I, I, I make it no secret. I'm from the Bay Area. I'm a huge Golden State Warriors fan. So I've seen a lot of Steph Curry basketball. And for the first time, I've seen – Trey play like he's on in a Golden State Warriors system where they actually are running plays. They know what they're doing in situations. He's running off the ball and creating opportunities for himself. So I think offensively and defensively, his team runs as far as Trey Young will take them. I think it'll be a top six seed this year. But you're right, the upper half, those top two teams, the Bucks, the Celtics, are incredible this year, and they're going to be in the way, of course. And I think you know definitely the one and two, you know, Bucks, the Celtics, however you want to put them, those two two teams are going to be there. And I, I think that the Hawks have an opportunity to be, you know, in that top four, I believe, just because, like, what's going on with Philadelphia, like uh, Reggie mentioned, and I think that the overall theme, what I'm getting as the, as we lead up to this season is the fact that, hey, these guys are bought in. Like you said, Trey Young, talking about defense, these guys are celebrating guys, taking charges, and, and I think that, you know, the X factor, get ready, y'all, the X factor in all of this is going to be Jalen Johnson. Yeah, why you say that, Jarvis? Because guess what? He is going to be a guy that's going to be able to change this offense because he guy he can get not only get the rebound, not only takes defense but playing defense seriously. Uh, he can actually put the ball on the floor and get the ball up and then distribute as well. He's a, he's a guy that can get you some assists, and I think that that the preseason has shown that. And I and to hear Quinn Snyder talk about Jalen Johnson, Quinn Snyder's the type of guy. He's very cerebral. He's a guy that can drop some nuggets from here and there. So. I'm telling you guys, make sure you keep an eye on Jalen Johnson. We had a conversation about replacing John Collins and what does that look like? Yeah. I think we found it. And, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm more than happy 
to 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 ride the Jalen Johnson train, and, you know, and get on it because I think this is going to be a, a season where you're going to have to jump on and let's get get on board with it because I think the the expectation is for the Hawks to have a home series in that first round of playoffs for me. Yeah, I like that as well. The opportunity to get out of the play-in round, for starters. The next opportunity is to, if you're in the first round, can you get a home series? And that'll really, to me, those are two, I think those are two achievable goals, right? And I think in addition to Jalen Johnson having evolved his game, I love watching him play too, because watching him play over at G Leagues for the Skyhawks and just seeing his evolution, his willingness to evolve his game has been amazing. But I'll add one more person, and that is Sadiq Bey, because his stat line and his box score is getting to be more evolved as well. When I'm seeing him have a night like 21 points and 11 rebounds, that's when I get excited because he's going to distribute the ball. He's going to score the ball. But when he's able to get in there and get give the Hawks second chance opportunities, then I feel good about him as well. Now, if you want to take control of your health, Jarvis can tell you how right now with Jace Medical. Listen up, guys. Jarvis Davis here for JaceMedical.com. Listen up, guys. I've been in situations where my babies, you know, again, at night, they're sick. You know, there's something going on. We're just trying to figure it out. I'm telling you, I was in a bad situation. But, you know, one thing that you can do if you get in that situation, go to Jace Medical because they provide five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. Emergency purposes in that particular that same situation, you can get it right there. All it takes is get a Jace case, is to fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board certified physicians. So there's no flu gazing is going on. I'm telling you, it's real deal. So get ongoing care from our physicians on any treatment related questions. Doctor created, doctor recommended. Excuse me. So what I hear, I want you to do. If you don't want to get caught in a situation, you want to be at ease in an emergency use type of situation make sure you go to jacemedical.com and enter the code locked on at checkout for a 20 dollars discount on your order yes that's promo code locked on at jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com all right guys of course we're going to deep dive a little bit later and go around the metro with some rapid fire where we're going to talk about why the league one league wants to go over the pond and kind of look to the future and why one league kind of wants to take a step back into the past but first we're going to deep dive into the falcons we know that it's kind of disappointing to see what happened this past weekend because we all felt like the commanders was definitely a winnable game for the Falcons, but it was it was a tale of two everythings, if you will. It's like a tale of two defenses because the defense you saw in the first half was not the defense you saw in the second half in that if you take the seven points away, that defense really held the commander scoreless. And then you look at Desmond Ritter and it was kind of a, I don't even want to say the tale of two halves. It might be the tale of two and a half quarters and the tale of a quarter and, and some change for Desmond Ritter. But I think the good thing about the defense is you always see them trending up each and every game, even if they have a slow start where, so it's always an upward trend, but where it was with Desmond Ritter is kind of up, down, up, down. And unfortunately this was a down where we saw a weekend of 300 plus yards two Sundays ago as a win best game ever this past weekend, another 300 plus yard game, probably the worst game ever. So he's probably somewhere in the middle of the best game and the worst game. But that said, given how he's played these last couple of games, what do you feel, Reggie, is the most important thing for him just in terms of playing well on the road where, of course, you know, he has had most of his success at home, but also because this is such a critical game with a divisional opponent in the Bucks. 
Well, I think he needs to do what they brought him in for last season, right? Marcus Mariota last season all was a guy that could do things at times, but decided to be a hero in moments. And every time he decided to be a hero, he'd mess stuff up, right? And for a long time, you had Desmond Ritter in there because you knew he wouldn't try and be a hero, right? He's a, At the time, he was a rookie. He's learned the offense. They made the play calling very easy for him, so he's able to move the field, ball down the field whenever he could. And he wasn't making mistakes. He wasn't just throwing the ball in the traffic. Unfortunately, after what was a great week two weeks ago, this week he decided to be a little bit of a hero. And it's not all on him either. The play calling obviously changed a little bit. They weren't able to get the ball running, so they, let's have him just throw it 47 times, which he's never done in his career until Sunday. So I think it's a mix, right? I think he just needs to learn over these over repetition. At the end of the day, if there's a play not there, don't throw it into the back. Like, throw it out of the back of the end zone if the situation presents itself. What are you doing trying to make a play when you're not – you don't have that ability, right? You're not, you're not, you're not Patrick Mahomes. You're not Jalen. Uh, you're not, you're not, you're not even these top level quarterbacks. Yeah. So stay in your lane. Make sure you just handle what you need to handle. And as you get better, maybe we open things up a little bit more for you. But he's not at that point yet. He needs to just chill out. Yeah, I would agree. Jarvis, what do you think about just how important this game is? Of course, for the Falcons because it could give them the opportunity to have sole possession of first place in the division, but also important for Dez because let's face it. We've now gotten through a third of the season and things are really starting to tighten up in what is needed or expected under center. The bottom line is that the offense had, offensive line has to play better. They have to help the quarterback out because you can't – the man has thrown 84 passes in the last two games. There's no way the Falcons can win games like that. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, there's no way. I understand Coach talking about having five-man fronts and all that stuff and taking advantage of, the, of, of a weaker secondary in the Washington Commanders, but at the end of the day – you got to do what you do. And that's everybody in the National Football League knows that Arthur Smith wants to run the football. So eight-man fronts shouldn't be this big thing now. Like, I'm yeah. trying to figure out, like, why, why is everybody going crazy? Because we saw this last year. Yeah. And they were uh, uh, the third best rushing team in the league last year. The difference is between last year and this year is the offensive line. Those guys aren't it's, – it's just, it's just minute breakdowns on that offensive line. If you just look at, going back and looking at the film, it's just like, okay, uh, Drew Dahlman might be able to stay on this guy, but he doesn't, he's not able to get up to the second level. And Chris Lindstrom is that, isn't able to pick up his guy. It's just little things just like that. Or Chris Lindstrom yeah. allows the guy to, to do an immediate swim move to get immediate penetration on the outside zone play. You just can't let that stuff happen. Like that, that's your man. That's, that's the guy that immediately affected your zone. So you got to pick that up and somehow. So just so many little things that, that has happened this year that hasn't allowed the Falcons to do what they do. And I think that in order for that to happen, in order for them to get this win and help Desmond Ritter out, because like I said, you can't continue to go down this road because this is going to be a rabbit hole. This, if, if they're throwing the ball 35 plus, plus times a game, like the Falcons are going to be at the bottom of the division before we know it. And I think that the, it starts with the offensive line. If those guys getting their stuff together, because it's just been little things that had just been continue to just mess plays up. And that's not that's not that doesn't that's not gonna work out. That's not gonna bode well for Desmond Ritter going forward. And Maria looking at expanding on that not being just about Des Ritter to Jarvis's point, it's an important game for just about everybody because I think last week, for for lack of a better term, other than maybe one or two players, just about everybody could have had a better game if we're being honest. So how do you see it, Maria, in terms of knowing that this is an important game, knowing that, yes, we need to see something more out of Des Ritter, but what do you think you, when you're looking at this team as a whole, you need to see in order to say, hey, yeah, this team has every opportunity to win this game in Tampa? 
Well, everybody knows that I always say this about quarterbacks. You know, when things are going great, it's all because of the quarterback. When things yep. are going wrong, it's all because of the quarterback. It's part of the position. And, and Desmond understands that. And he even mm -hmm. said that on Wednesday that he understands that that's the job. That's the role that he's in. And for me, obviously, you want to see him not turn the ball over. And no, not all three of those interceptions were his fault. And True. really not all five in the last two weeks. But the problem is, it's not just him. It's not just the offensive line. There is blame to go around literally everybody. And yes. look, we knew this team and Arthur Smith loves to run the football. But what it's mm -hmm. telling you is that you didn't get all these playmakers around him to not throw the ball, right? So they are going to open up the pass game. They are going to yeah. put more on Desmond to throw the football. And he's going to have to learn really quickly. He is the starting quarterback. They have put a lot into him being the starting quarterback. I do anticipate him being that for the foreseeable future. Yeah. He said something really interesting on Wednesday too. He was talking about miscommunication and how that hasn't been an issue for this offense until this past week. And I mm -hmm. said, okay, well, where is this miscommunication coming from? What is it? I was asking guys around the locker room that, and they said they didn't really know. They yeah. couldn't exactly pinpoint it, but what they did know was that things were getting hurried up a little bit. That goes back to the offensive line. So it's causing Des to panic a little bit. And mm -hmm. he even said, going back to Reggie's point a little bit, trying to be the hero. He gets yeah. in his head sometimes when things are quick and they're elevated, which granted, if you're a quarterback in the NFL, everything is a split second decision. But mm -hmm. when things are elevated and you have to move quicker, he starts to panic. So he said, I have to understand that I need to just dial it back calm down a little bit. So I think him knowing that going into Tampa, we know how difficult they are defensively. They're going to give him some issues. I right. think they're going to try to get in his face, uh, but he hasn't gotten sacked a ton, which is, which yeah. is great. That's great. They're giving him time. They're giving him time to learn back there, but not enough time. He's got to be good and got to be good really quick. So don't turn the ball over. I mean, they are right there at and the most frustrating thing is when they're in the red zone, when they're down there, they're driving the field and they can't score. And that was one of my biggest questions to all those offensive guys. How frustrating is it when you know that you're literally right there and can't yeah. score? And they said, that's the thing. We just have to capitalize on those opportunities because they haven't in the last two games, mm -hmm. uh, really last three games. So I think if they do that, don't turn the ball over. Des will be fine. It's just he's having to learn very quickly. And there's a lot of pressure on him, obviously. So yeah. I, I think this could be. I don't want to say a make or break game for Desmond, but it's but it's incredibly important. You have a chance yeah. to make a statement and take the NFC South. Yeah, and I think, Maria, to go with your make or break, it's not make or break as in it's Heineke time, not that kind of make or break, but sure. it's more of a make or break of this team, offense and defense, spoke a lot over the offseason and during training camp about their support. We're behind Des. We believe in him 100%. You just don't want that to start waning, and then that begins to show itself on the field. And one more thing before we wrap up that uh, kind of came to mind for me, and it's interesting because I didn't get out there to Flowery Branch this week, but one of my buddies asked the question of Arthur Smith that I had, which is, okay, not saying that Dez is Jalen Hurts. We're not saying that he's Justin Fields, but there were moments in time where those guys and their um, OCs and their coaches said, hey, why don't we actually put some run design plays in for the quarterback? Why don't we put some RPOs in? And the few times that they've actually done that for Des Ritter, it has worked. So that might be something that gives an opportunity to have the ball in his hand, but not necessarily have to toss it down the field. And then, of course, I think this week we'll have an opportunity to see just how important that uh, acquisition of Van Jefferson is going to be in order to spread out this offense. Now, when we come back, guys, we're going to talk a little bit about some things that are going on maybe across the pond, maybe staying over here and changing up. But before we go around the Metro and have a little fun with what's going on 
in and around the world of sports. Jarvis is going to tell you guys about FanDuel, how you can make some extra bucks. But also, if you really like Jarvis like that, he'll tell you how you're able to get more Jarvis with subtext. The more Jarvis, the better. Tanitra, I love that doggone setup. I appreciate that. But guess what, guys? Forget about all that. We're going to tell you about FanDuel right now because it is the number one sports book in America. Guess what, guys? Right now, NFL season is popping off. I'm telling you. We're talking about the Falcons and the Washington Commanders. You know, the Falcons lost last week. Did you get some money on that uh, on that over-under? Did you get some money on that spread last week? I'm telling you, you're missing out. So here's what I want you to do. For people who have not experienced the FanDuel experience, how about, I need new customers to go get $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's it. $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose. I'm telling you, if you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action right now because it's the NFL season. What are you waiting on? It's time to get this money. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much, much more. I'm telling you, $5, guys. I'm going to get you $200 if you're a new customer to FanDuel. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season because FanDuel is the official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL. Join the Locked On Sports Atlanta Insiders where you get breaking news, the inside scoop, and exclusive content delivered directly to your phone. Plus, you get a one-on-one conversation with your boy, me. Yes, one-on-one with Jarvis? Yes, I'm telling you, one-on-one with me. And for all the people that join, I got a special, special thing for you. All 22 review. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. I'm giving you all the insight so you can be a part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta Insider. Sound like a good deal? Go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta. That's joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta and become a Locked On Sports Atlanta Insider today. And guys, I know we didn't get a chance to talk about this, but I wanted to just mention it as we we're heading into around the Metro and doing a little rapid fire. Also, of course, the Falcons made some moves this this past week, and Jalen Hawkins was one of those moves. That's a little bit shocking to us. And I think one of the things is because he was one of those guys that we were always saying, hey, you know, waiting for that potential to kind of turn into something that is more, more of and having a more of an effect, excuse me, on the field. So they released him, Chargers picked him up, and unfortunately we found out that they had to cart him off um, at his first practice with the Chargers. So definitely want good things and want to wish Jalen Hawkins well. But, yeah, I, I feel like just going back to that real quick to get you guys' thoughts, that's one of the areas where we're looking to, like, the secondary, right? That secondary is the most vaunted probably on defense of those units. And if you're parting ways with a guy like Jalen Hawkins, that to me means you're looking around that secondary room and saying, everybody, you're on the clock, step it up, especially because you're going to get further into the season and face quarterbacks that can actually get that ball down the field. Yeah, I think the emergence of DeMarco Hellums and and also Michael Abernathy, we, we saw like they had him in that, that second team in, in yes. training camp a lot because he was starting to make those necessary plays doing that. And then DeMarco Hellums in the preseason, you know, he was a guy that can take the ball away. That's what you want. You want as many as guys that can take that ball away as possible, especially mm-hmm. on a Ryan Nielsen type defense, a guy who wants to be aggressive, send yeah. pressure from different levels and everything and force those quarterbacks in bad situations. And you want to have guys at the game that can take advantage of that. So, yeah, I, I really feel like this is more so – a Michael Abernathy, DeMarco Hellum type situation and saying, hey, all right, uh, uh, Jalen Hawkins, 
appreciate your services and have a good day. We know how cutthroat the NFL can be, guys. Cutthroat indeed, indeed. What are you guys' thoughts in terms of those individuals who potentially will have to step up because now it's like, hey, secondary, we're looking for you guys to do big things. Yeah, as much as I love Jalen Hawkins as a yes. person, I mean, he's just yeah, like the nicest absolutely. kid ever. Uh, and mm-hmm. I wish him all the best of luck in Los Angeles, and I hope it works out. I think this is such a killer opportunity for Micah Abernathy, and I was talking yes. about it with him on Wednesday, and he was excited, and all he said was, I'm just going to do what I do. So he's confident, and he's he's excited about the opportunity. And if you were watching Sports Extra, I think maybe two months ago, DeMarco Hellams was my breakout player of the year yes. for the Falcons, and he was not even named to the roster yet. It's because okay. I knew what he did at Alabama, and all of the coaches were so high on this kid mm-hmm. and when he was signed to this roster he was predominantly a special teams guy well now they're saying okay you have an opportunity to be in the rotation at safety he has gotten snaps back there in the last couple of, of games and he's young he's got a really high ceiling uh he's really aggressive he makes little mistakes here and there but he's so young that he can learn especially under ryan nielsen jarvis you said aggressive those are his two adjectives right attack and aggressive it's like embedded into their brain jeff okuda that was the first yeah. thing he said to me i didn't even ask him a question i was like oh, <laughs> I just wake up and say attack and aggressive so yeah, sleep. Uh, right literally i think it's on repeat which is great i mean and yeah. really this defense has continued to take steps forward but they all believe they have another gear and maybe a shocking release of jalen hawkins could be a step forward to unlocking that. Um, so I'm excited for Micah Abernathy. I expect him to turn it up a little bit. Indeed. Now, Reggie, I'm going to ask you to usher us into the Around the Metro rapid fire round. And I think this is one of those that we're kind of looking at in a little bit of a different lens from everyone else, right? Because the Falcons and the Jaguars are really your team. Of course, the Jaguars are like London's like their home uh, turf at this point, but the Falcons have played over across the pond a lot as well. So Roger Goodell recently said to a fan forum in England that staging the Super Bowl in London was something that has been discussed and it is not possible. And this time it wasn't even tied to like London getting an expansion franchise per se. It was just about the big game going over the big pond. So question for you, what do you think about the Super Bowl, the game of games, the championship of championships, being taken away from American soil and being put over in the UK? What? Well, well, I'll be honest. I think it's really dumb. Uh, there's no reason that's going to Let's just be honest with ourselves. What would be the reason to move it across the pond when you've got all these stadiums, all these locations here that uh, are, one, set up for this situation? You've got fans that are already here. I, I understand the idea of thinking, like, all right, it's, um, it's a real kind of corporate game anyway. You're pricing out a lot of, like, the real fans regardless of what yeah. city you're in. But at the end of the day, you also don't have to pay to fly all the way to London to try and see your favorite team play. You know what I mean? So I think England and London and Germany or whoever else, they need to just be happy with the fact they get one game or a couple of games. Right. That is that is your Super Bowl. That's it. That's it. One or two games, that's a Super Bowl for you, right? The Super Bowl should be here in America because there's no other reason to go anywhere else. Yeah, I say the same, Maria. It's like that's one of the reasons the Pro Bowl wasn't working out so well for being in Hawaii because who can afford to like get to Hawaii, let alone stay there for more than a day? But Super Bowl? Across the pond? What? Yeah, look, I love the international games for the NFL. I'm not going to lie to you. I love that there is an international footprint for the league. Uh, I just don't love the idea of the Super Bowl overseas because the biggest thing about the Super Bowl is the week leading up to it, right? And all of the events that go into the Super Bowl, and I'm not saying that the celebrities and the hoopla couldn't happen over in London because obviously they could. 
but all of your teams are here. Why yes. would you take that and put it somewhere else? That doesn't make sense to me. I think it should be a game here, a game there. And look, they, they've had so many fans go to Wembley Stadium and all the locations yes. that they've played in London. I think it's great. Uh, you said the Falcons have played in London, uh, kind of. They kind of played in London. Okay, let's talk about this. They showed up. They showed up in London. So maybe it's not a scenario where teams are all going to be like the Jags and call that home turf, right? So I don't know. I'm I'm with Reggie. I don't like it. I do love the international games. They're throwing out Germany. Like, that's so cool to me. Give them a taste of it, but don't give them the whole thing. Right. I don't know, Jarvis. Kyle Pitts seems to kind of like oh, London no. a little bit. No, just joking. <laughs> look, look, this is how I know this will not happen. Because guess what? These billion-dollar stadiums that these owners are building, they yeah. are being told that, hey, build a billion-dollar stadium. And on top of that, ask for half of it from the, from the taxpayers. And then you might be in consideration for right. a Super Bowl so you can make – what was it, 1.4 billion dollars that that um that, that was made in Arizona, not excluding like the marketing, you know, uh, getting people to influence people to potentially move down there. So yeah, this is why I feel like this will absolutely not happen because these owners got their toy, these billion dollar toys that they go to every Sunday and enjoy <laughs> games and, and sit on their little you know 24 karat gold seats and stuff like that. Yeah, it, I, I promise you, Roger Goodell. He got he just got an extension. So yeah, I'm sure he was like, yeah, uh, no to this uh, Super Bowl in London. Let's go ahead and put that in your contract, sir. Yeah, and I'm thinking Las Vegas, London. Yeah, I think most people are gonna pick Las Vegas each and every time, or some type of exotic locale that is on US soil. Anyway, we appreciate you guys for stopping by. Of course, be sure to check out our Locked On Sports Atlanta channel on YouTube. And don't forget that every single Monday, including this Monday, we want to see you on the Atlanta football party. Thanks again for checking us out and be safe out in those ATL streets.